Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ashley Hattinger, and I have been on staff here for about seven years, and I get the privilege of working with everyone that is new at our church, and I really enjoy it. So there's a lot of faces I see where I've been able to meet you recently, and it's been a really great journey walking with you as you're new to our church. Well, today, I just wanted to start with a problem that I think we've all faced. So have you ever just been minding your own business, you're eating a burger and fries, something like that, and at a restaurant, you know those, those like classic ketchup bottles that are glass? You know what I'm talking about? We don't see many of those today. But have you experienced this where you're like, okay, I just, just need some for my fries, and you just, you go and tap it, a little bit comes out and you're like, okay, I need a little more than like that little drop. So you hit it harder and then just half the bottle comes out. <laughs> and have you done that with like other people at the table and you're like, okay, like I obviously didn't mean to do that. Like I don't want ketchup soup with some fries in it. <laughs> Where this gets really bad is when you try to add hot sauce to something. Have you ever added hot sauce to something? It's a little too much hot sauce. It just kind of comes out. And then, and then that really could ruin the meal. You know, there gets to a point where it might be inedible, but have you ever, like, I can't ruin this? Or, like, I have to, I have to eat something. So then you kind of just, like, suck it up and, like, try to eat it, and you're, like, crying and sweating the whole time. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, in, in both those cases, you can't, undo what you did. Without even trying, the, the ketchup is out, it's spilled out, half of the bottle is done. You can kind of like take a spoon, I guess, or a straw, I hope not a straw, please don't tell me you've used a straw. But you take it, you, you know, try to put some back in, or if it's the squeezy one, you can try to like suck it back in, but that only goes so far, right? And then you don't like, People don't want to use the ketchup after you've like spooned ketchup from your plate and like your food that you've been touching like back into the bottle. So it's just bad. Uh, you can't undo that. You can't undispense ketchup after it has spilled all over everything. And there's something that happens in life too. There are just some things, something was said, something was done, and you can't go back, right? Can you think of a time in your life where that just came out of your mouth a little too fast and now it's, it's out? You can't go back to when you didn't say that or you didn't say it nice enough. There are just some things that we can't take back. We can try, but once it's out, it's out. And we've been in our Love and Family series. This will actually be the last day of our Love and Family series. But I was thinking, not only have we all experienced those moments in our lives that just things that we wish we could take back, something we have did, something we said, and, and now it's just out. Um, but I was thinking about the past year. Um, we've been stuck at home a little too much, and 
Let's be honest, we love our kids, but we've been stuck with our kids a little too much. And I'm sure there have been some things said and done over the last year that we can't take back, but we wish we could. And really, this could be any relationship. I had a friendship in college, a really good friendship. And one day she decided, like out of nowhere, after a year of friendship, she just started listening to me all the things that I had done wrong. Like that, that made her upset, but she didn't tell me when they happened. So it's been a year of damage and I couldn't even fix it, but she just let all of that fall out. And we're not friends today. We weren't friends after that conversation. It's hard to come back after saying something like that. There's a character in the Bible that is a perfect example of this, and I want to talk about her today. Her name is Eve. Now, uh, for those of you that brought your Bible today, or maybe you have your smartphone or your tablet or something with you, we'll be in Genesis 3. It's where the bulk of Eve's story is found. But this is what the Bible tells us about Eve. She was the first woman. She was the first woman. So there was a man, his name was Adam. And then we had Eve, she was the first woman that God ever created, that ever lived. And then the second thing we know about her is that she was the first person in the history of the world to sin, to do something that God told her explicitly not to do. And she is the one responsible for sin. And us in the church, uh, anyone that's grown up in the church, I grew up in the church, Eve is always a cautionary tale, right? We have nothing good to say about her. She's kind of the one that ruined it for all of us. But here's what I want to do. I want to look at the story of Eve with a, with a different light. Um, I want to look at all the consequences that she, she brought about. So, so here's what's going to happen. Eve's story, she was created. So God made her. She and Adam were living in the Garden of Eden. Then the sin happened. We'll have a character called the serpent. He represents evil, the devil, uh, death in the world. We have this character, the serpent, that we'll run into. And then we have the aftermath of everything that happened after Eve sinned. So what I want to do is we're going to read from Genesis 3, not from the beginning of Genesis, but from a little farther in her story. So we're going to be talking about the consequences of what Eve did. And what you'll find is it's a little bit of a long passage, but here's the good news. It's the only passage that I'll be preaching from today, so we can just hang out there, and we're going to walk slowly through it, and it would be helpful for you. I'm, I'm going to kind of hit a chunk, then stop and talk about it, hit a chunk, then stop and talk about it, so that we can get really familiar with this story, because we'll be bouncing back to it as we go forward. Does that sound good? Does that sound like a plan? So we will be in Genesis 3, and we will be reading starting in verse 8. And here's what it says. Then the man and his wife, so this is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So this is right after the sin happened. This is right after Eve sinned, and then Adam sinned after her. So God was... He was looking for them. And then it says, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. 
So I wish I could talk more about the naked side of things, <laughs> but we're, we're not gonna talk about it. The thing I wanna focus on from this section is that the first thing that happened after they sinned, after Eve and Adam sinned, was their relationship with God was splintered, right? So that's the first big consequence. They hid from God. That's the first thing that happened, that Eve kind of started. All right, so we're continuing. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Once again, such a fun facet of this story, but we're not getting into that today. <laughs> Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, listen to this, guys, listen to this, all right? The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. All right, so it's pretty self-explanatory here, but what I really want to hone in on is listen to the comment that Adam made about Eve. So they hid and their relationship with God was messed up and now Adam is talking about her like she's a stranger. That woman you put here with me. <laughs> We've never talked about our loved ones like that. No worries. So we have a splintered relationship with God and we have a splintered relationship between man and wife here, between Adam and Eve. All right, so here's what happens. They, they have that conversation. God found them. They were hiding, but of course God found them. Like, obviously, it's like playing hide and seek with a two-year-old. It's like, I, I see you're there. Like, good try, <laughs> but, but you're there. Um, but here's what happens. So he finds them, he has this moment, he kind of confronts them. Now what God is going to do is he's going to talk because they had done something bad, right? They had completely disobeyed him, they sinned. So what this passage is going to do now is God's gonna have kind of three things to say. One to the serpent, the, the evil who helped cause all this to happen. Then he's going to talk to Eve about Eve and about to Adam about Adam. So let's listen. Let's listen to what God has to say to them because of what they did. So the Lord God said to the serpent, so to the evil, the evil one, the one that brought death, because you have done this. Listen to this language. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. All right, so we got cursed are you, okay? Once again, God wasn't playing around here. He told the humans not to do something and they did something and there are consequences for what happened. All right, so to the woman, to the woman, here's what God said. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Yeah, I'm sure. Can anyone, you know, kind of relate to that a little bit? Maybe some of us have experienced that. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit of the tree, about which I commanded you, you will not eat it. We'll, we'll finish what Adam has, what he has to say to Adam in a second, but I wanna talk about what happened here to Eve. 
the consequences of what she did were severe. She had to face the consequences for what she did wrong. The first one is pain and childbearing. It's so funny sitting around with a group of women, especially there's a lot of women my age getting to that point where they're <laughs> um, having kids, starting a family with their spouse, that kind of thing. And man, it's like sharing war stories, right? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, there's, yeah, the pain of childbirth. That's something that started here with Eve. And then your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So even God is saying, we've already seen it happen, this like, husband-wife, like, disconnect, the, the tension there. We, we already saw that happen with Adam, like how he responded to Eve. So right from the beginning. So if you're experiencing anything like that today, some mixed match in your relationship um, with people, um, yeah, we, we can bring it back to here. All right, and finally, this is, this is the last part we're going to read, and then we're going to talk a little bit. So to Adam, this is to Adam. This is what God says. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Wow. <laughs> Quite some serious consequences, right? We have a lot, when we point back to this story, now we know Adam sinned as well as Eve. It wasn't just Eve's fault, but she started it, right? Eve sinned first. There's no excuses for what she did. She disobeyed God. And there were consequences that hurt not only her, but her all of creation. And there are consequences that we even experience today because of what she did. So is that it? Is that all that Eve gets to be known for? She was a human being who made a mistake. Yeah, it was something that she had to own up to, but, but is that it then? Is that all that, that Eve is now? When we think back at her, she's, she's the one we curse when we're in pain. She's the one we curse when marriage relationships don't work. So is that it? And what, what I wanna say like the ketchup bottle, um, like the hot sauce, there's some things we just can't take back, and this is something that Eve couldn't take back. She couldn't go back to the time that she didn't sin and do it differently. She couldn't go back and fix that thing she did, that thing she said, and now the consequences are what they are. But what I wanna say is that there, you can't take it back. She could not take back what she did but in this passage, I believe there is a way forward that I would love to talk about today. It's in a part of her story. It's in this passage, but it's in a part of the story that we never tell. Eve's legacy is so much more than her sin. And as I've been studying this, my heart has just been so broken for her that all we know about her is this thing she did wrong and rightly so, no excuses for her, but that's not her whole story. So I wanna look back at what we just read, and I wanna tell this other part of her story too. So the story that I wanna talk about is how Eve got her name. 
Did you know that Eve didn't get her name till the end of her story? If you have the text open, you can flip through some of the verses. Eve is not called Eve until after the section we just read. So that means when she was created, she wasn't called Eve. When she was having the discussion with the serpent and she sinned, that wasn't her name. Throughout all of this, she's being either referred to as the woman or as Adam's wife. She is not called Eve. God doesn't call her Eve. If you notice, um, in even like the section where God is talking to them about their consequences, he's, he said to the woman, he said, you, you won't see the name Eve until uh, that, that passage was, it ended at chapter 3, verse 19. So not until 3.20 does she get her name. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, as an example of this, let's go to verse 12. Okay, this is a good verse, right guys? The man said, so Adam said, the woman, so she doesn't get a name here, God's talking to them, and Adam says, the woman you put here with me, she did it. That's verse 12. Well, let's jump ahead to verse 20. So this is the verse we haven't read. It's the verse right after the section I just read. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. So kind of cool, right? Now, I'm going to acknowledge this sounds kind of insignificant. It doesn't sound like a big deal. Like, okay, it seems almost like a footnote to the story. But here's what's, what's cool about this. If Eve is responsible for bringing sin and death into the world, think about that. It's her fault. Adam was right. He was mean about it, but he was right. She, she caused all this. She started it. If she was responsible for bringing sin and death into the world, then how can she be known as the mother of all living? That seems very contrary, doesn't it? Well, how did Adam get there? How did Adam go from calling her the woman you left with me to God to how did he, eight verses later, say, and he named her Eve, the mother of all living. Well, let's go back to what God was saying to them in verses 15 and 16. So this is, he, he said the woman, then God said some stuff, then at the end of God saying stuff, we have verse 20 where Adam named her Eve. Let's look at verses 15 through 16. So to the serpent, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Listen to this between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very spirits. Like, okay, thanks, Ashley. Thanks for rubbing in this childbirth part here. <laughs> um, with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Let's look at this. We mostly focus on the punishment side of this, right? Like, she did bad, consequences are pain, okay. But let's look at who these offspring are that, that God is talking about. So your offspring, so this, the serpent's offspring. Now remember, the serpent represents death, evil. So the serpent's offspring is evil in the world, death in the world. Um, we refer to him as Satan or the, the devil. He kind of represents like all of this evil in the world. So that's like his offspring. That's what he 
um, his, that's what he'll bring to the table, like through his line. But who is Eve's offspring? It will be thousands of years, but at the end of several thousand years, there will be someone born to another woman, much like Eve, and his name is Jesus Christ. So wrapped in this punishment, wrapped in this narrative of this is what Eve did and here's our consequences, we have the first prophecy about Jesus. So there you go, for Bible trivia out there, first prophecy about Jesus is found in Genesis 3. And here's what, so why would God do that? Why would God fill in a prophecy when he's in the middle of punishing, when he's in the middle of, you know, kind of placing the, the consequences of the situation in place? And I believe this is why. God wanted to use Eve's greatest pain, remember childbirth, God wanted to use Eve's greatest pain to bring healing to the entire world. Isn't it funny that childbirth was the way that God would someday be born into the world? And through that pain is where all of, all of our sin, all of our death, all of that was defeated. What a cool um, piece of that that we don't talk about much. And I wanna talk about what this means about God. First, we hear passages like this and it's kind of a downer, right? It's like, okay, God, we know you punish us. Okay, but that is not the only side of God. And notice his punishment or consequences for wrong things they did that he told them not to do and that there would be consequences. God does not only operate this way, he at the same time operates full of grace, and that's what we see in this passage. So on one hand, there are consequences. There's gonna be pain and childbirth for Eve and for women following her. But on the other side of those consequences, God is weaving in this hopeful narrative that pain won't be the final answer someday and that overcoming death and evil will be the answer. God allows us to experience our consequences, and I'm sure parents know this, doesn't mean God loves us any less, but if we don't do what we're supposed to do, he lets us experience consequences. That's not evil or malicious, that's a good father. But on the other side of that, God is full of grace for Eve. God can make our pain and brokenness worth something. Isn't that great that in the moment where Eve was at her lowest, I imagine, when she really started to realize the weight of what she had done wrong, in that moment, God shows up and says, this, this isn't all your story's going to be. You've messed up, and you might have messed up for the rest of history, but this will not be the only legacy that you bring forward. Another thing I wanna say and, and I, don't, I don't talk about this too much, but I have a master's in biblical studies. And the more that I have studied scripture, the more that I have studied the God of the Bible, what I see left and right is something that our culture um, says a little differently. And that's that God is a constant advocate for women and putting women up and weaving women into his plan. And the reason why I bring that up, <laughs> the re listen to me though, the reason why I bring that up is because our culture says now Christianity are these 
old patriarchal, you know, just all, all this kind of image, like anti-feminist, he pushes women down, subverts women. Well, who in the story gets the prophecy? Not Adam. Sure, he's a part of it, but from, from Genesis 3, from the first woman, we see God using women and weaving women and giving them purpose and weaving them into the story of redemption. So I, the thing that, that really burdens me about that is I just want to make sure that someone like Eve gets her story told because she deserves it. And I'm thankful to a God if you, if you don't see yourself in the Bible, for, for different reasons, because of your gender, because of maybe your cultural background, whatever it may be, if you don't see yourself in, in Scripture, I encourage you, um, it's, it's there. Um, and like I said, the more I study it, the more I see that, that we can find ourselves in the pages of the Bible and not what culture says, that it's only men. So I, I want to make sure I say that. And this is for women and young men, too. We have, we, have mother, we have a mother and Eve, and we have fathers throughout the history of Scripture that we can speak to, that can speak to us and encourage us. So God wanted Eve's greatest pain to bring healing to the entire world. So I want to notice something. I want to point something out here. Adam's attitude toward her change. Remember Adam's attitude? That woman, his attitude changed when he listened to what God had to say about her. I want to talk about someone, okay, this guy's really cool. His name is Dr. John Gottman. He is a internationally known um, psychotherapist, psychologist, and clinical, um, he's a researcher for relationships and longevity of relationships. He was actually named one of the top people in the last 25 years to make um, efforts forward in social psychology. Uh, this guy has had his his studies uh, quoted by other peer-reviewed journals. People rely on his work to push things forward in psychology, um, especially when it comes to relationships. So, so this guy is, is no joke. Um, so Dr. John Gottman, this is how he started. Back in the 70s, he started studying and following thousands of couples thousands of couples. Like his data just goes on and on and on. And what he, what he did was he would just listen to these couples. They would tape them, they would take notes, they would listen to these couples for just five minutes. And usually the prompt was something like, tell me about something recently that happened with your kid, or tell me about a recent fight you had, or even, hey, what's your week like? Just five minutes. And after decades of this research piling up over and over again, thousands of couples, he is now at the place where since the early thousands, he's been able to predict with 94% accuracy whether or not a couple will still be together in five years based on a five-minute conversation. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And there's, there's four dynamics. So Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, if you ever want to look up his stuff, their institute, um, they have work that's really uh, accessible to the, to the average person, that kind of stuff, because um, they want to help couples in the future. But so with 94% accuracy, the guy can go, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll make it. Or yeah, like they're, they're healthy, or they, may, they probably won't be together in five years. The strongest indicator of that, 
the strongest indicator he found is if there are any cases of contempt in the conversation. Contempt is when, this is how he describes it, it's when you're always right and they are always the problem. And that can happen in such small ways. Yeah, you are always right and they are the problem. One way I've seen this is parents of young couples, um, a spouse is trying to get, or parents of young kids, there you go. A spouse is trying to get the kid ready for the day or something. And then the other spouse goes, oh, that's not the like, like as if there's a right outfit and a wrong outfit for most situations, right? But, but in that moment, what is it? I'm right, you're doing wrong. Um, it's the same with, uh, we see this with chores, with, with all that kind of stuff. It can show up in the tiniest way. So you think contempt, that's a big word. I've never had contempt for anyone. But in, in five minutes time, what do you think he picks up on? Things, he notices these, these small moments. So contempt is one of the, it's the strongest indicator of whether or not he thinks that, and, and that his research has shown over decades, whether or not couples will still be together. Well, why do I talk about this? Do you remember Adam's, how he handled Eve after she sinned? That woman, that's contempt. And those under indicators, if you look them up, I encourage you to compare them to Adam because you'll, you'll see those other indicators there as well. But Eve wasn't his partner in that moment. Eve was the problem. That woman, she did, she did it, she sent. She caused me to sin. So, so what, is, what is Dr. Gottman's solution to that? Well, it's catch them doing something good, right? It's, it's, it's something as simple as, instead of looking for ways that they're going to mess up, looking for people in your life to actually prove you right and do something good. When Adam named her Eve, so in verse 20, when Adam named her Eve, the mother of all living, here's what he was saying. He's saying, I'm choosing to see you the way that God sees you. You have a calling greater than your brokenness and mistakes. He was speaking her God-ordained potential over her. It was no longer that woman. It was, now I see in you what God sees in you. Some of you need to do what Adam did. That person in your life that, you know, they did something they can't take back, they're not a problem. They're your partner. They're your child. They're your coworker, your boss. They're humans. Speak their God-given potential over them. It doesn't excuse what they did. Remember, we still face consequences here in this passage. It doesn't excuse what they did but it gives you a chance to catch them doing something in faith. And you know what? She wasn't even a mom yet when he did that. He spoke faith over her. He spoke her God-ordained potential over her. Okay, so that's Adam's side of things. Let's, let's talk about Eve's side of things. And this is how we'll, we'll land the plane today. This is where we usually stop talking about Eve. But Eve has an ending. In act three, if you will. So after God talked, after she got named Eve, her story isn't over. But here's kind of the question. Will Eve live up to her name? She's now Eve, the mother of all living. 
Will she live up to her name or will the, the pain and the consequences, would, would she live up to the pain? She couldn't go back, but did she move forward? And if so, how? Well, here's what Genesis 4.1 says. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Now, once again, this may seem small, but that Lord in all caps that you see in the Bible, that's the name Yahweh. In the Hebrew, that's God's special name, his covenant name that he gave his people. This is what this is what this means. She's saying that she realized with her birth of her son that God allowed her to be a part of his plan even though she failed. She was the first, guys, get this. She was the first to sin, but she was also the first human to use the covenant name of God in faith. That's incredible. That is a huge legacy that she has left. And you know what? We know her birth was painful, right? Because <laughs> some of us in this room have experienced painful birth, or you've been in the room when painful birth has happened. Um, we know giving birth to Cain was painful, but look at how this is described. The way this is written is her faith didn't, or her pain did not define this narrative. Her faith did. Isn't that cool? This could have said, and, and she became pregnant and she went through this agonizing labor and hours and hours. No, instead it's, this is her moment of faith that she had. She didn't let her pain dominate the story moving forward. It was her faith that dominated the story. She chose to live up to her name, not her pain. She is a hero. Her legacy is that she, she was the first to sin, but she walked forward after her mess up. Now, this isn't flashy faith. She didn't kill a giant. She didn't call down fire from heaven. And those are amazing miracles of people and faith and God using them. But this is something we all can do. Everyone in history who has called on the name of God has heard a thank. Everyone that has allowed God to use them, even though they are broken and messed up, were living in her legacy or her children. Finally, if you have called on the name of the God who saves, this Yahweh, Jesus Christ, you are her children too. So I want to end with, with kind of this picture. So what you see here is the biggest waves in the entire world in Nazare, Portugal. Now, this may not look like much because, you know, it's kind of hard to tell with the people, but that's a 100-foot wave, and those are the biggest waves in the world. Just to give some balance to that, uh, the average wave is like, uh, or not the average wave, the, the current world record for surfing waves is 80 feet, and only one person has done it. So these are 100-foot waves. These are awe-inspiring waves. People come from all over the world to, if they dare attempt surfing in these waves, and then people go out on this pier and watch as the waves come in. Now that's a marvel. The biggest waves in the whole world. But let's look at what's underneath causing that to happen. They don't just happen by themselves. All right, so as you can see, it comes to a corner. 
So the Nazarene Portugal is that corner and what you see is a super deep cavern. This underwater canyon is 140 miles long and it is 16,000 feet deep out at its farthest. But here's what happens. That canyon starts out really low, 140 uh, miles away from shore, and it, it starts so deep and it just slowly inclines as it gets closer and closer to shore. So as the waves come in from sea, especially if there's a storm, the waves come in and all this power gets pushed up as the canyon moves up. And then you kind of see a counter current come in as well. So then you have this opposition coming from the other side. So this is only possible, these amazing, awe-inspiring waves, the biggest waves in the world that people come and marvel at, they're only possible because of this deep, deep canyon and this countercurrent that they'll never see with their eyes. point out that it's not a mountain under sea that makes this happen. It's a low point in the sea that makes this happen. You know, just like our catch-up moments, the, the moments we can't take back, just like Eve in the story, we can't fill that canyon up. It's there. It's, it's cracked and, and deep under the, under the ocean but it's a marvel and the waves only get news because they were pushed through this really hard lowest low point. And here's what I wanna say today. This can be you. This can be your relationship. Man, I'm, I'm getting, whew. you are in that lowest low point or you know that low point you there's something in your relationship that whatever it is with your kids with a friend with a spouse I, or just in your life you've experienced such a low point but it's in those low points just like with Eve that God can work and it gets pushed as you move forward and fight to move forward and as his spirit enables you it pushes you forward even with opposition and what does the world see what can the world see but it's an amazing marvel that is only possible because God brought you from that low point so you can't take back whatever that was for some of you it's someone that's hurt you Maybe you're the person that can't take it back, but you can choose. This is your choice. You can move forward. There is a way forward. Just like Eve, you can choose to live up to your name or your pain. So here, here's what I want to do. Um, if, if everyone in the room, if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes, uh, we're gonna we're gonna think and pray for a second. Maybe you're like Adam in the story. That you can visualize that person in your head who has hurt you. They did that thing that now you're living with the consequences of that. And, and this is the prayer I want us to pray together. You can think of their name. God, help me see 
help me see this person the way that you see them. God, help us see the people in our lives the way you do, broken and messed up and everything in between. We can't get over what we did, they did to us. We can't refill the canyon, but you can somehow make us walk forward. Help us see those people in our lives the way that you see them. Or maybe this morning you're like Eve. You did something you can't take back. What's said is said, what's done is done. There's no refilling the ketchup bottle. And now you're, we're living in the consequences. And this, this is what we can pray together. God, I can't take back what I did. Please help me find a way forward. And this is something everyone can pray. Help me know my name in you. Help me know my name in you. My potential, what you see in me. Here, and everyone, everyone um, thanks for praying with me. F feel free to, to look back up here. I want to say two final things. One is, some of you in this room may be the first person in your family to live up to your name and not your pain, and I applaud you. The second thing I want to say is that some of you need to go home, and this is the question you get to discuss. What does it mean to be a, I'll throw in my last name, a Hattinger? This is a great time for, for Mike and I to go home and say, what does it mean to be a Hattinger? The God potential. What's the bar that we can do when we follow God as a family? Last week, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Robin talked about parenting from identity. This is how you do it. God, what is our name? What is our family purpose in you? And how can we rise to this? Um, and even how can we come out of this canyon together and walk forward and make a difference in the world? So that's the thought I want to leave with you today. Maybe you need to go home and have a conversation with someone in your life. What does it mean to be in this family? What does it mean to be a Smith, a Jones? You're, you name it. But here's what I want to do. Um, I just want to give you a blessing. You can be like Eve. It may feel like there's only this one part of the story ever told, but I want to give you the blessing of what Eve had, and that's that even in your brokenness that you leave today, and God will use you and make a difference in your life for generations to come. That's my hope for you. That's the blessing. Please, God, I pray this over everyone in this room. All right, have a great week. See you later.